Pastors Larry and Tiz Huck welcome you to this weekly Torah study from New Beginnings Church in Bedford, Texas, taught by Pastor Scott Sigmund. We pray this message will help you better understand how God's Old Testament wisdom and New Testament revelation are meant to jointly fit together. Glad everybody's here today. Blessings to you. We're in Torah portion number 17 uh, this week in Exodus 18 through 20. And uh, today I've entitled today's message, uh, Bible Prophecy and the Ten Commandments. Bible Prophecy and the Ten Commandments. And you're really going to be amazed at what we see uh, in Bible Prophecy and how the Ten Commandments connect into the end times. Uh, but before we uh, delve into some of that, let me just lay a foundation for what's going on uh, in the Torah study today in a general sense, and then we'll get into some specifics. Uh, Jesus uh, said in Matthew thirteen fifty two that those experts in Jewish law who are now my disciples have double treasure from the Old Testament as well as the New. And so what the Lord is showing us as New Covenant believers, it there's, that there's a special value that comes for those that understand both the Old and the New. Teachers that can connect the old and the new bring something to the table uh, that would otherwise be missing. And so here at New Beginnings, uh, we want to uh, stand uh, for God's wisdom in the Old Testament as well as the revelation that comes from the New Testament. And many Bible prophecies related to the last days teach that uh, there's going to be an end-time restoration of the Jewishness of the gospel. And we've gone through a lot of those scriptures in the past. I won't get into all of those now. But uh, one of the great chapters in the New Testament, Romans 11, is the grafted in teaching. It's the olive tree teaching. Israel is the original olive tree. We're the wild olive branch grafted in to Abraham and Moses, all the prophets, what's going on in the Old Testament. And so it's a fun thing. It's an exciting thing to learn about the biblical holidays, the symbols of our faith, like the mezuzah, the shofar, and the Talit and so forth, uh, they all have value and they're all part of uh, what we learn from the Bible. And uh, this obviously includes the Torah study, and which today happens to include the giving of the Ten Commandments. And so in recent weeks, we've been learning about the miracle of Israel coming out of the bondage and slavery of Egypt and Pharaoh. And uh, today, as God gives the Ten Commandments, uh, we see that Israel uh, has reached the crescendo of what God was doing. Why did he bring Israel out of Egypt? Well, he needed 
uh, Israel to transition into becoming a nation. And that nation needed to be governed by certain laws. And those laws are God's laws. And America, for instance, the reason that we were one nation under God from the beginning and why the devil is attacking that foundation is because much of uh, what is in our legal and judicial system is based on the Bible. And especially out of the Old Testament. But when God spoke to Moses at the burning bush in Exodus 3.12, he told uh, Moses to tell Israel that I am going to deliver you and take you to this mountain, Mount Sinai, and give you the Torah, give you the Bible. And so all that we're studying uh, was leading and is leading us into the giving of the Word, the giving of the Bible, and especially the Ten Commandments. And as we all know, the Ten Commandments are under attack. We want them removed from uh, our halls of justice. Some churches want them removed. Some pastors, even to this day, uh, write books and teach Uh, sermons on why we need to disconnect, unhitch ourselves from the Ten Commandments. I heard one pastor teach on TV that if you even attempt to keep the Ten Commandments, you're nullifying the grace of God. Uh, So there's, you know, the last thing I want to do is... uh, be in agreement with the secular pagan humanists <laughs> who are out to eliminate the Ten Commandments and cancel that from our society. Uh, and the reason why the devil is doing it, because the Ten Commandments epitomize God's will for his people. Within the Ten Commandments are all the instructions for how to successfully relate to God and relate to people. And so if that forms the foundation uh, of the Judeo-Christian life and life in America as it's been for hundreds of years, uh, then the devil has to cancel that. Everything in his being is out to cancel uh, everything that God is trying to do. Uh, how many here are uh, willing to protest against the devil's plans? I see that hand, that hand, that <laughs> Amen. And so there's a myth that the Ten Command in the church that the Ten Commandments is nothing more than legalism, and that's absurd and it's illogical uh, to think that we no longer need the Ten Commandments. God's divine principles, God's divine concepts, to think that we don't need to incorporate and integrate that into our attitude, behavior, and conduct is just flat-out false. Uh, And a lot of that, and we won't get into this, it's all connected to replacement theology. Can you imagine that one of the doctrines of the church that started after the last apostle died is still being forced on the church today, is that the church is the new Israel, uh, the Jews uh, uh, and Israel, uh, they missed out, so they're canceled out of God's plan, and... uh, 
Uh, everything that was taught out of Jerusalem and out of the Old Testament needs to be abolished, despite the fact that Jesus in Matthew 5 said, I didn't come to abolish this. I come to sh- came to show you how to live it to its fullest. So uh, it's interesting to note that New Testament writers, including Jesus himself, continually in the New Testament refer to the Ten Commandments. Now, if, if the whole intent was to abolish the Ten Commandments, why would you keep referring to it in the part of the book that's meant to abolish that? It makes no sense. So there has to be other reasons. Uh, ironically, uh, it's uh, estimated that in the New Testament alone, that there's over a thousand commands, commandments in the New Testament for Christians to obey. Uh, We know that Jesus and Paul and all the uh, apostles, they didn't make suggestions on how to live. They were giving instructions, command. This is how, when, when you as a parent raise your children, do you just give them suggestions on how to brush their teeth and clean their room and follow, uh, the, the family traditions? No, you, you, th- sweetheart, these are commandments. Mama, daddy is, com- you need to obey this. And so, uh, in addition to over a thousand commandments in the New, and many of them are repeated, uh, some of them are specifically stated, uh, in addition to that, all the writers of the New Testament refer to the Old Testament over a thousand times. So you just you begin to see if the idea was we're not under the we don't need the and all of that's been nullified, canceled, and abolished. They've missed a perfect opportunity to make it plain and simple. <laughs> and look, we're not talking about being legalistic. We're not trying to earn our salvation. We're just trying to, in our lives, in our family, in our nation, and around the world, we're trying to integrate God's wisdom, God's morals, God's ethics into our society, right? Uh, If we don't, as we're seeing, the other side has a plan. They have a whole list of laws. Well, you can't legislate morality. Uh, Beg to differ. Uh, somebody's morality is being legislated. And we've had it pretty good, uh, but as the birth pangs intensify and the rush to usher in the Antichrist system, the one world government system, we have to replace God's laws with uh, secular pagan laws. How many of you prefer God's laws over secular pagan laws? Say amen. So one of my favorite places to go to eat is Risky's. How many of you ever been to the stockyards? And down at the very end, there's two Risky's. There's the Risky Steakhouse, and then there's the Risky's All-You-Can-Eat Barbecue. 
and they make these all-you-can-eat barbecued ribs, and they're just so delicious. Oh, man. And when you, when, if you go in and sit in the uh, uh, inside, not out on the patio, uh, you can see that, that Risky's has the Ten Commandments displayed inside their restaurant. Uh, it's the cowboy version. Now, us being from Texas can appreciate the cowboy version of the Ten Commandments. And uh, so I took a picture of them a while back, and, and then I uh, transferred them into my notes today. So what are the Ten Commandments? Uh, and uh, here's the cowboy Christian version. Number one, put nothing before God. Amen. Not, not nothing, nothing. Number two, just one God. Amen. Amen. Number three, watch your mouth. Not watch your mouth. <laughs> watch your mouth. Number four, get yourself to a Sunday meeting. Number five, honor your ma and pa. Number six, no killing. Number seven, no fooling around with another fella's gal. Commandment eight, don't take what ain't yours. (laughs) Number nine, no telling tall tales or gossiping. And number ten of the ten cowboy commandments, the Christian version, don't be hankering for your buddy stuff. (laughs) Amen. Amen. So uh, this epitomizes... Uh, our relationship, what we're aiming for, our relationship with the Lord and our relationship with each other. Obviously, God didn't give the Ten Commandments to crush Israel or to crush us into submission. Amen. Uh, in fact, they're not even instructions on how to get set free from Egypt. That came by faith through the Passover offering. That's how they got set free. Those that were under the blood got set free. That's by faith, right? But instead, these are God's code of ethics, okay? And this is how we live to get Egypt out of us. The Passover offering got us out of Egypt, out of sin, and the Ten Commandments, and by extension, the Word of God, the Bible, teaches us how to get Egypt out of us. Stop living like the devil. You can't live like the devil and expect to make heaven your home. So we need an instruction manual, and it all comes down to the Ten Commandments. So uh, it's interesting, and some of you know this, But when you think about the Ten Commandments, you think about the Old Testament, you think about the Torah, the five books of Moses, the root word for Torah is yara in Hebrew, and it means to shoot straight. We're talking about the cowboy commandments. You need to be a uh, commandment 11, be a straight shooter. 
It means to hit the mark. And so the Torah, the Ten Commandments, summarize in a nutshell how we hit the marks of God. Amen? How many of you are thankful that you have that knowledge and you're hitting the right marks in life? Amen? And uh, it's also interesting to note that today's Torah study is named after Jethro, not the guy from the Beverly Hillbillies. <laughs> Yitro, in Hebrew it's Yitro. Uh, and it's interesting because uh, Jethro is Moses' father-in-law and he's an outsider to Israel. Okay, He's a former pagan priest in Midian, a Gentile. And uh, but somehow he's welcomed in to Israel, okay, and uh, they name a Torah portion after him. Moses didn't get a Torah portion named after him, or Daniel, or Abraham, uh, Isaac, or Jacob, but Yitro does. And so there's a, there's a hidden meaning to all of that. And it's a symbolism that Gentiles are meant to be grafted in to this revelation of the Ten Commandments. It shows that the Torah, standing with Israel, loving the Jewish people, learning uh, all of these things, was not just meant for the Jews, but meant for the Gentiles, the Christians as well. And this goes back to Romans 11 and the olive tree theology uh, that were the wild olive branch grafted in. Paul said to the Romans that hated the Jews. I mean, they occupied Israel for many, many moons with a, a brutal leader named Pontius Pilate. And, uh, and he said... To the Romans, you don't support Israel, they support you. And so he's speaking about spiritual things, obviously. And so uh, even Jethro Yitro's name, the hidden meaning of his name, is derived from a Hebrew word, Yeter. And it means adding on. Is that amazing or what? And so the symbolism... Uh, is that the Gentile is meant to be added on uh, to the uh, revelation and the covenants of blessing that God initiated through Abraham and uh, 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 re-issued through Moses. And so... Uh, well, that, uh, you still haven't convinced me that I need to study the Jewishness of the gospel, Pastor Scott. Well, let Paul try to convince you in Ephesians 2.12. Here's what he says, that at, at that time, you Gentiles, Ephesians, uh, had no Messiah. You were estranged from the national life of Israel. You were separated from the essence of where all of this originated. And the national life of Israel included a structure, a framework of religious expression. And you were estranged from all of that. You had no Messiah. You didn't even know the basics. 
You were foreigners, he goes on to say, to the covenants embodying God's promises. So don't think, Ephesians, that you're all about this. Don't get the big head thinking that you've got it all and those Jews had nothing. No, they had all the covenants. They had the revelation. They were the ones that originated the structure of religious expression. You were in this world without hope and without God. And it goes on from there. And so uh, there's th- this describes how all of us were. We were without the Messiah, without the Bible, without the Ten Commandments, without the structure of religious expression, and we were going nowhere fast. In fact, we had one foot in hell and the other one on a banana peel. So we should have come in, and it always should have been, that when we gave our lives to the Lord, we got saved, born again, that part of what we learned was our history. We should have had an Ancestry.com session where we were learning about our roots, our ancestors, the forefathers. Our salvation history doesn't start in Matthew. It starts in Genesis, right? And a big part of what God... Uh, wants us to understand, if we're just to boil it all down in a nutshell, is understand that now we're saved, we need to learn how to live. We were in sin, we were under the bondage and oppression of Egypt and Pharaoh, and we developed a mentality, attitudes, philosophies, opinions, a way of thinking that had nothing to do with the religious life that sprung out of Israel. Out of the Bible. And so God gave the Ten Commandments to show us how he wants us to live and to show us what he's like. God is a certain way. He has certain ways. He has a certain way to think. And the Ten Commandments tell us a lot about uh, God, his morality, his ethics, his point of view, And if we sit around and disparage the Ten Commandments, how do we do that without disparaging God himself? Amen? I got one right. I got an amen. Can I get another amen? Praise God. So with that as our foundation, let's uh, transition and go a little bit deeper into uh, Bible prophecy and the Ten Commandments. Most of us don't realize that the Ten Commandments show up in the book of Revelation. And we're going to get to that here in just a minute. But uh, uh, before we do that, let me just share with you that when you study the great rabbis throughout all of history, all of them teach that the book of Exodus contains deeper truths. Secrets that have been hidden, not only about how uh, uh, Israel got set free back then, but also about how Israel will be set free in the future. So the Passover and the Exodus in ancient Jewish wisdom foreshadow the great day of the Lord and the final redemption. 
Uh, And uh, here's just a couple quotes out of ancient Jewish wisdom. In Nisan, the month of Nisan, the Hebrew month of Nisan, when Passover comes, uh, in Nisan they were redeemed. Israel was redeemed out of Egypt, out of the hand of Pharaoh. And in Nisan they will be redeemed in the time to come. There's coming a redemption. We're in the middle of birth pangs right now. Now, whether it's false labor or this is the real deal, it's still we don't know all the timing. No man knows how it all, anyone that says that I've got all the the formula down, uh, yeah, yeah, you're probably right, but maybe you're not. Micah 7.15, you can mark that in your Bibles, is a a little-known prophecy that Jewish scholars point to that underscores this concept that the exodus and the redemption that we see happen uh, through Passover uh, points to the final redemption that hadn't happened yet. And Micah 7.15 says, As in the days when you came out of Egypt, I will show them wonders. And the complete Jewish Bible says, I will show them wonders during the final redemption. Uh, There's a... uh, in ancient Jewish literature, uh, to echo this, it says, Just as in Egypt, I shall redeem you in the future from the subjugation to Edom and shall perform miracles for you, as it says, As in the days of leaving Egypt, I shall display miracles. Talking about the final redemption. And so there's a whole strand of teaching in the part of our salvation history that we were kind of severed from, the Jewish side, the Judeo side of Judeo-Christianity, that points to when you study Passover, you're studying Bible prophecy and what's going to happen in the end days. And in reality, the Apostle Paul points this out in 1 Corinthians 10.1. We don't have time to read the whole chapter, but uh, just for example, uh, verse 1 says, Brothers and sisters, I don't want you to miss the significance of what happened to our fathers in Egypt. Okay? Meaning there's a lot going on there that we haven't fully understood. And then from there, Paul goes on to remind Israel of all of the events of the Exodus, including the great falling away. How many of you have heard about a great falling away at the end of days? But in 1 Corinthians 10.6, Paul says... These things took place as prefigurative historic events. Isn't that amazing? Paul says, what I'm teaching you right now about our forefathers, what happened in Israel, including the great falling away, are all events that prefigure something that hasn't happened yet. 
And then he warns everyone not to set their hearts on evil things as they did. They got their focus on the wrong things. In these last days, it's important not to get your focus on the Antichrist, the mark of the beast, 666 and all the birth pangs and the fear that that engenders. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but he wants us to look at these things to build the right understanding of what's happening. And part of what's happening is, yes, the earth is going to be in travail. There's going to be birth pangs in these last days, but those that occupy and overcome, who walk by faith, who have a vision for uh, being a glorious church, and Work and build yourself into that mindset, you're going to overcome. Read the book of Revelation, the seven churches in Revelation 1 through 3 to be encouraged. We shared some of that in early morning prayer about the church of Philadelphia. That they laid hold of some things and persevered and they were saved from the hour of trial. That was going to come upon the whole earth. You can read that for yourself. But anyways, the exodus parallels the final redemption. In that after Joseph and after that great time of prosperity, a secular pagan spirit of Pharaoh arose. And he didn't appreciate any of the gains that were made under Joseph. Kind of sounds like today. We, we had the best economy, the lowest unemployment rate. We had peace around the world. Places like North Korea that we were, when we, uh, four years, all of a sudden we think North Korea is going to launch a missile. And suddenly for four years we haven't heard of North Korea. Suddenly the terror from around the world, ISIS. Suddenly, all of a sudden, Israel's making peace treaties with Arab nations. Right? And so, so many things. But then the spirit of Pharaoh took over, a pagan spirit. And Pharaoh, it says, uh, well, he either had selective amnesia, Or it was a new pharaoh that didn't even know any of this, which how do you miss that? So as a result of that, persecution arose against the Jew, anti-Semitism. There was a repression of basic human rights. How many of you looking around today are thinking, why are they trying to take away my First Amendment rights? Why are they trying to take away my Second Amendment rights? Those are written in the founding documents. Let's work on things that aren't written in the founding documents. Why attack freedom of religion, freedom of speech, freedom to bear arms when those should be in stone? There's a lot of things that came afterwards. Let's debate all of that stuff. These should be untouchable. But they're not. Because pagan, secular, humanistic leaders don't care about what you care about. And that all led to bondage and oppression. And finally, the brutality of slavery. But God raised up a deliverer to declare to Pharaoh, let my people go. And this was followed, though, by more rebellion. 
against God, and it caused a series of ten plagues, birth pangs, that grew stronger and more devastating. The birth pangs of the Messiah that you read about in Matthew 24, or you read about in the book of Revelation, from the seven scrolls, to the seven trumpets, to the seven vials, all announcing another wave of God's judgment against the evil, rebellious world. Progressively it rolls out and it becomes more and more devastating. It, this is what you can compare this to. That what's going on in the Exodus is pointing us towards what's going to happen in the final, um, in the final redemption. Now, at the end of it all, who won? Did Pharaoh win? No, his army and his world, my sweet, beautiful world, was crushed, utterly destroyed. Amen. And at the end of days, at the Battle of Armageddon. When we come back as part of the army of God to face the uh, nations of the world that want no part of what you and I are a part of, in a word, the Lord is going to slay them and the battle is over, in a word. We didn't even have to lift a finger. Amen. And that was what led to Israel's redemption and freedom. So the final redemption, when it comes, is going to be so great, so epic, that just as uh, Egypt saw its world of false religion, its world and system of brutal and inhumane treatment, it collapsed right before their very eyes. That's what's coming. That's what the birth pangs are for. That's what all of the teaching and revelation is about. About Satan's system, the Antichrist system being judged and it's collapsing uh, right before their eyes. And yet they still refuse to believe. But you build into that. It's the frog in the kettle. You just the, There's a turning up, but it's progressively, gradually taking place. And even now we see the Antichrist crowd of elites. They're in government. They're in corporations. They're in the education system. Who would have thought that, that you would have Antichrist types in the medical system? Can we just get a straight answer on the pandemic? Well, you need to wear six masks now. (laughs) Will somebody tell us, you know? And so uh, I think uh, uh, we see all of that playing out, that all of these power centers are conspiring against God, against America, against people. And what's about to happen, if these indeed are the actual birth pangs, if the four horsemen of the apocalypse uh, out of uh, Revelation 6 have been released, then we're about ready to see the greatest event in human history. It really is a great jubilee. Because in reality, this is our Father's world. Yeah? But the God of this world doesn't want to let go of it. And so what you're seeing is that rebellion and that resistance, but a jubilee is happening, and everything is going to revert back to our Father who art in heaven. Hallowed be thy name. So, as all of this unfolds, the Ten Commandments play a major role. 
how many of you uh, knew that the Bible actually refers to keeping the Ten Commandments in the book of Revelation? In describing what's going on in the time of great tribulation and this battle between good and evil, the Ten Commandments come up. If you go to Revelation twelve seventeen, it speaks about the war with the dragon. And the dragon was wroth with the woman and went to make war with the remnant of her seed, which keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. The dragon the mark of the beast, the false prophet, the antichrist, they all represent a counterfeit system, a secular one-world system. And they're trying to force that system uh, on nations, on people around the world. We see it in uh, America. And it's not just a political system. It's a religious system. It's an economic system. And the goal is similar to what Pharaoh did to Egypt. Enslave the people. Take away their freedoms so that they will live in bondage. And there will just be a few of us at the top of the pyramid. And the rest of you are here to serve us. Not the kind of world I want. Thank God the Bible says in Isaiah 9, 6, the government will be upon his shoulders, the shoulders of the Messiah. Amen. So as we get closer to the final redemption, the Antichrist under uh, and the spirit of Satan, the spirit of Antichrist, they're going to do their very best to distort, to defame, to discredit, to cancel God and his laws. I'm, for one, am not going to be canceled. Amen. Amen. And lawlessness is one of the key signs of the end times. The Antichrist is called the lawless one. The spirit of Antichrist is a spirit of lawlessness. In Bible terms, we would call lawlessness Torahlessness. Biblelessness. The laws of God, if you go throughout all of it, whenever you see, it's always talking about God's laws. The Ten Commandments epitomizes the whole gamut of the laws of God. Second Thessalonians 2 Thessalonians 2.7 says, The mystery of lawlessness, rebellion against divine authority, and the coming reign of lawlessness is already at work. But it is restrained. Only until he who now restrains it is taken out of the way. Then the lawless one, the Antichrist, will be revealed. Who is taken out of the way? Well, there's many viewpoints. Is it the Holy Spirit? Well, it may very well be the Holy Spirit that's taken out of the way. There's just one thing. The Holy Spirit needs to be present for someone to be saved. And during the tribulation, people are saved. So the Holy Spirit being taken out of the earth for those seven years, well, okay, maybe that's what happens, and I'm you know, uh, willing to listen to all uh, sides of this. What I've always believed is that it's talking about the church. This is a rapture scripture. 
that the Antichrist is not going to be revealed until the church is taken out of the way. When we're raptured, which we believe is mid-tribulation, then all of a sudden everything intensifies to the max, right? And the Antichrist is revealed. The prelude that, that comes with this to me is America. When America is taken, because where are you going to go if America falls to the Marxists, to the socialists, to the pagan, secular, antichrist crowd? Are we going to go to Brazil or Canada or Australia? Where are we going to go? So the, the lesser truth, the greater truth to me is when the church is raptured, taken out of, then the, but the, the lesser truth is when America, this is why the governments of the world meet in Davos, in Switzerland, and in other secret society meetings, Republican and Democrat alike, all coming from the same Kool-Aid, have plans that aren't godly plans. And it all seems to be focused against America because if America's taken out of the way, then who's left to stand up? I saw that the, the Polish government and some other Europe were trying to stand up for not censoring people on Twitter. And I thought to myself, well, well, at least we heard a peep out of you, you know, five years later. So... This wicked spirit is working, and we need to register a protest. We need to resist. We need to occupy. We need to walk by faith. We need to strengthen ourselves, equip ourselves, lay hold of some spiritual things, and be strong in the Lord and strong in faith, uh, because whenever that day comes when we're taken out of the way, we want the Lord to be able to say, well done. Y'all here at New Beginnings, y'all that kept learning how to uh, be strong in the Lord, good job. But they're they're trying to erase everything from our memory, our history. Don't let your eyes tell you what you're seeing. (laughs) Listen to what I'm saying. (laughs) And, And Daniel, one of the great prophets of the Old Testament, who really had a handle on prophecy, both for the first and second comings, uh, listen to what, uh, what he predicted in Daniel 7.25. The Antichrist will speak words against the Most High God and wear down the saints of the Most High, and he will intend to change the times, the appointed times, and the laws, and the laws. There was no New Testament at that time. It was, everything's focused around the revelation at Sinai. He's talking about the Ten Commandments. And here we have even churches trying to disparage the Ten Commandments. But all of this is happening because just as God said through the Apostle Paul in Romans 1, I'm creating an environment where there'll be no excuse. You're really going to know what side you're on. All of you that are on Moses' side, on Jesus' side, on the Bible side, step over here. And all of you that are on the Koric side, the Antichrist side, the side that doesn't want anything to do with God and the Bible, over there. 
and everyone's going to be on one side and things will happen and they're happening now. People are aware. More people are tuned into this than ever before. So, embracing the Ten Commandments is a big part of the end times. Look at Revelation 14, 12. This is the build-up to the mark of the beast. And in response to the mark of the beast, Revelation 14, 12 says, Here is encouragement for the steadfast endurance of the saints, God's people. Those who habitually keep God's commandments and their faith in Jesus Christ. Now, if the Ten Commandments and God's laws are no longer applicable because I'm under grace, why does it keep coming up in the book of Revelation? Because Jesus is the living Word. And as the living Word who became flesh and dwelt among us from Genesis 1 to Revelation 22, He's the living Word. Amen. Nebuchadnezzar came against Daniel. And the godless leaders wanted to throw him in the lion's den. And they concluded in Daniel 6.5, the one way to do that, our only chance of finding grounds for accusing Daniel will be in connection with the rules of his religion. That's happening now. Our religion, our faith has rules. I know some people don't want to hear that. But there's just a certain way you have to behave. Certain conduct is forbidden and certain conduct is permitted. And as we learned in the cowboy commandments, amen? Write that out and, uh, and uh, uh, repeat that to somebody. So... I want to reinforce as we end today that obviously we're saved by grace through faith, not of works, lest any man should boast. You can't earn your way to heaven, but I kept the ten commandments. Well, you didn't keep them all the time. (laughs) So that means you need a sacrifice for sin. And that's where grace and forgiveness and salvation come in. Believing that Jesus Christ is the Passover lamb and his shed blood is what we appeal to and apply in order to be right with God. But now that we're saved, we need to, as Philippians 2.12 says, work hard to show the results of your salvation. Obeying God with deep reverence and fear. I thought there was nothing I had to do. Now you kind of, you should have attended that class. <laughs> Work hard to show the results. To say it another way, obeying the Ten Commandments doesn't make you a Christian. It makes you a better Christian. Amen. Amen. And ultimately, um, it's going to lead to a better life here on earth and a better life that continues in heaven. And this is what Revelation 22.14 says. Blessed are they that do his commandments. Right? The, the last chapter of the book of the Bible 
we're almost through reading the Bible. Blessed are they that do His commandments, that they may have right to the tree of life and may enter in through the gates into the city. Pretty interesting. Bible prophecy, the Ten Commandments are related, and uh, we need to fight back with Satan with the Antichrist, this world system, by not only expressing our faith in Jesus Christ, but by obeying the commandments. And that's the way to a blessed life and ultimately to be able to enter in through the gates into the heavenly city. Do you receive that today? Amen. God bless you.